Hey, how's it going, everyone? I am James SP, the content creator, and welcome to the James Paul Show. Today, I've got Shiloh Wolf. You all are familiar with who he is. We've had him on the show a few times before, and he's back. And today, you all are going to learn about Izzy. But before we get to Izzy, and I'm not going to tell you all who Izzy is, but before we get to that, um, Hey, how's it going? How's uh, it going, Shiloh? It's going pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, man. Yeah. So the last time we talked, right, we, well, we've been talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I believe the last conversation that we had, we, we, we uh, left off with the invisible wounds, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So let's jump right into that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, think, I think that's a really good place to start because first and foremost, you know, um, our perceptions reality right and yeah. when we think of visible and invisible wounds or visible or invisible injuries you know society kind of looks at those vastly yeah. um, different and so a great place um i think is to just kind of cover what those are you know when, when we look at visible wounds it's easy for us to generate empathy for that yeah you know um you know we see somebody who is perhaps missing a limb or somebody who is in a wheelchair or right. or clearly physically um you know compromised in some way you know uh from some sort of injury um perhaps something occurring at birth and we can say oh okay you know mm -hmm. and you know if someone is approaching the door um in a wheelchair or crutches or something like that we have this natural natural want to help you know we'll open a door for them right you know, right whether they want us to or not yeah right mm -hmm. and and it's so much different when we talk about invisible injuries because one we can't see them mm -hmm. so our our line of empathy has a tendency to be delayed if that makes sense yeah so like for me um as an example, I have a disabled veteran handicap sticker on my vehicle. Right, right. And, you know, when when I get out of the car, you know, and I stroll on over to the back, uh -huh. open the door, you know, and <laughs> grab a bag of groceries. Right. You know, somebody who doesn't know any better is going to be like, oh, this clown right here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he's, just got a, he's just got a sticker, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, how, how, did he, how did he work that system? Right. You know, or whatever. And, yeah. and there's so much more to that, you mm -hmm. know, and... Um, and so right out of the gate, you know, when you think about post-traumatic stress, you know, PTSD, not just in the military context, but in any context, right. uh, trauma in of itself can be the source of maladaptive behavior and maladaptive thinking and, and really a uh, focal point for all, all sorts of mental health issues. Right. But, but that one's kind of obvious. We know that, you know, veterans that come back that suffer from PTSD, you know, we tend to naturally have more empathy for that person because they quote unquote went to war. Right. But what about someone who involved, who was involved in a car accident or somebody who was sexually assaulted or yeah. somebody who yeah. had, you know, grew up in a, um, perhaps dangerous environment, a broken home or, or something to that effect. And, right. and so we, well, they're fine. Mm -hmm. They can walk, they can talk, they can do their thing. And so it's, it's interesting. Um, how we we have to almost learn someone's story to generate empathy for invisible wounds yeah which takes time and makes you less likely unless you're courteous to open the door for them mm -hmm. you know so um so with that you know there's there's a huge array you know 
um, diabetes is an invisible wound in a way, you know, yeah. it's, uh, if somebody doesn't have the, the things they need, their insulin or, um, their medications or their ability to check, right. they can fall out in a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. If, uh, you're prone to seizures, you know, that individual is likely to be able to do anything or everything, you know, you or I can on a daily basis. Right. But at, at all of a sudden, you know, they fall out and go into seizure. Um, and not all seizures look the same. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, some are kind of the ones that, you know, we've seen on TV or perhaps in real life, you know, ep epileptic seizures where an individual will fall mm -hmm. on the ground and, and um, you know, and, and, and seize, whereas some are, are silent seizures. They'll sit in a chair and they'll kind of zen out, zone out, you know, this effect of like, um, lucidness to them right. and they're also seizing. And so, uh, we don't look at that the same because before, or after that moment, they're just like you and I, and, mm -hmm. and in a way that is good. You know, we don't want to treat someone differently because they're suffering from something different. Right. But it's also bad because we don't have the, we don't express the same care or concern for that person. Right, right, right. And, and, the, and, and the thing about that is, you know, those individuals tend to have caregivers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's another thing. Like, you know, the, the average person walking around is not really dealing with, they're dealing with their own wars and their own issues and their right. own stressors. But but not necessarily an injury or an illness or something to that effect. Um, people who are, they tend to have caregivers, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part and, um, or someone, you know, checking on them. Right. And so, um, I get that, you know, and the thing when you, when we talk about the, um, invisible wounds, it kind of reminds me of, like a carbon monoxide scenario, mm. right? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's in there. Yeah. You yeah. don't know it. That's right. And it's slowly, you know, wearing out on you or to, you know, slowly really killing you. Yeah. In that sense. But yeah, it's, that's, that's, uh, that's a good example. You know, when, um, before the carbon monoxide sensors came right. in and if there was, you know, you parked your car in the garage and you yeah. left the car running. Right. I mean, you could, I mean, the whole house could, you know, not yeah. wake up the next morning, right. you know, so right. it's, you know, it's, it's, and these things kind of happen, um, or if, if you are to survive that, you may have some permanent injuries, right. you know, cognitive right. injuries. And if that's the case, but even further, like if you have a kid in, in, in sports, you mm -hmm. know, you have someone playing football right. or something that you may not think would risk, like maybe volleyball yeah. or or something like that where they take a head, head injury mm -hmm. um, and and then, you know, be fine for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And suddenly they're starting to act differently. Right. Um, that could be a byproduct from the injury from high school, wow. middle school, uh, college, whatever the case may be. So, you know, I mentioned caregivers. And um, so in, in my world, you know, I kind of talk from more of a military right. uh, background. Uh, it's it's different because we can't, you know, when we came back, uh, from Iraq, Afghanistan, um, you know, certainly wasn't the same as when my dad came back from Vietnam, right. You know, where he just kind of kept his head down and, wow. and did whatever he had yeah. to do to, you know, to, you know, grind it out and, and, and get, get through life. Mm -hmm. Um, we came back a little bit different, you know, uh, society backed us. They right. were proud of us. Mm -hmm. They, and, and 
they did what they could do to help. But at the end of the day, it's still our responsibility to get up and go to work, right? So, right. Um, what was that like, though? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was it wasn't so bad. I when I left service active duty, um, I was still in the guard for additional three years. But you know, I was in the infantry, and when I came out, I, I was, I think, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was the the best I've ever been. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. you know, I, I, I left the job on a Friday. I started a new job on Monday. Right. Um, so yeah, you transitioned. Oh yeah. Now I'm not, you know, we talked before, right, right. I, I'm an anomaly. Exactly. Some of them show up at home with their duffel bag. And like, well, <laughs> figure it out. You, what do you mean? There's no classified papers anymore. Yeah. I got to go online and yeah. fill an application. Yeah. And do what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, so you know, all of a sudden it's it's different. All of a sudden you don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you have to figure out things that you know everyone else has been doing. You know. Right. Right. And um, so, but but for me it was it was good. And and I and I really uh, I cannot give enough praise to the leadership I had. And I know not every soldier can say this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I especially my my unit. I was in I was in. 269 AR and, um, and Fort Benning is my final duty station. And I just, from the moment I arrived to the moment I left, um, <laughs> you know, I heard all these uh, terrible stories of Kelly Hill and, and 3rd Brigade and, 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 and the unit I was in. And, yeah. and when I got there, I, I got to tell you, it was the best leadership I ever huh. had. <laughs> it wow. was some of the most supportive people. So I had I had the best soldiers, you know. And But what was really important about that is – between that unit and my previous unit, I had a ter- terrific squad leader who said, if you get a bump, bruise, boo-boo, right. <laughs> if anything happens, anything happens, you put it on paper. Wow. And which is totally in contrast to the to the attitude of the infantry. You know, right. if you get if you get you don't go to sick call for anything. If you're a Marine, you don't go to sick bay for anything unless unless it's, you know, life limb or eyesight. Right. Right. And so but that's not how my unit was. They're like, listen, I know too many people who got out. Keep in mind that, you know, we're at this point in the game, we were we were seven, eight years into a war. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, you don't you don't skip out. You make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted because yeah. when you get out, you may not get the support you need. Right, you, right. You know, and not because it's some malicious act from the VA. It's they need evidence, you yeah, know, just yeah. like any, anyone else. We need evidence to figure out what happened to you so we know how to fix you and or, or you know, take care of you in another way. So right. I did that from the moment I showed up for my first duty station. I'm like, oh, heat stroke, check. Let's put right. that on paper. Right, you right, know? right, <laughs> it's right, like right. Just the stuff that, you know. Um, and so with that, I, uh, you know, I left Fort Benning. I had a full record of detailed records of everything that happened to me that got submitted to the VA mm. right out of the gate. And then, um, and, and I encourage if, if veterans are listening to this or active duty, especially is listening to this, right? Every I, every T, every T, it doesn't right. matter what it is because the truth is, and it's, it sounds, um, I don't know, insensitive, mm-hmm. but while you're there, nobody cares. Yeah. You have a job to do. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. No one's, and what I mean by no one cares is no one's going to care after, you know what I mean? you you show up, you do your work, you, you do everything you can to be successful, to make your unit success, successful. Mm-hmm. And then when you leave, you're so worried about the badges. You know, you're so worried about, did I get to airborne? Did I get the aerosol? Did I do special forces in my sniper? Right. All these, you know, cool jobs. But when you get out <laughs> in, in, the, in the, in the job market that is not military, 
everyone's just going to shrug and say, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But, um, you know, uh, can you do basic math? <laughs> you know right, what I mean? They want right. to know, they want to know, can you do the job that you're going to be hired so, for? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, imagine that struggle mm-hmm. plus the invisible. Right. And so, <sighs> and so, yeah, so that's, that's the one thing. Make sure you're covering, me- you know, get your medical stuff. But then here's the thing. And the reason why I thought it was so important to bring up everything, because I, I took some concussive hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, um, my patrol base was, we, we lived on almost on top of a burn pit. Wow. Um, there were uh, chemical strikes mm-hmm. in the area from 10 years ago wow. that the unit trampled through. <laughs> Everything, um, you know, from that, that's just chemical in the soil. Yeah. In of itself, maybe inert or may not be, you know, anything today. But then you compound that with various types of chemicals, um, arsenic or cyanide that's in, in the burn pits or, right. or other, other harmful chemicals. And then you, and then you take on any, physical injuries, concussive injuries, really, especially if you were, you experienced an IED or some type of explosive munition Mm -hmm. and whether you, whether, whether you buy into it or not, even firing your weapon is concussive injury. Um, so especially, yeah. So when you, and I'm not talking, um, just for hearing, uh, but, but every time you experience a recoil from a weapon, it, it generates over time, long periods of time, right. micro concussions. So, um, so all these over time can can lead to long term injuries. So when I got out, started a job, I went to work, pretty successful, and then it wasn't until almost five years later where you know, you know, my wife would say, um, you know, are you doing okay? Are you feeling okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. You know, whatever life grind, whatever. Right. You know, kids, just like any of us, but it was different. She was starting to identify signs of depression and, and in of it, in of itself, um, you know, we, we talked to our local doctor. We didn't even talk to the VA about this. We just went to, I had a general practitioner cause by then I was working for the university. And so, and they said, well, let's, uh, let's try you on an antidepressant. And we mm. kind of left it at that. And then finally, when I did go to the VA, I explained what was going on with my general practitioner. He's like, all right, let's swap you out and put you on this antidepressant. You know? right. And so then started the um, really starting to see the cracks. And then, um, at the top of 2020, uh, in January, I had, I went into full blown crisis. Wow. Um, I, I'd had some suicidal ideation in the past mm-hmm. and it was, um, it was fleeting though, you know, okay. that, that deeper sense of mortality that, um, you know, not just from military experience, but you know, I'm, I'm, um, I was a child of trauma, you right, know, right. my mom was a rape homicide. My, my, you know, I signed the NDR when my, my dad passed away. And so, um, he had pneumonia coded four times or like, you've got to sign wow. this, you know? So, yeah. so, and, and, you know, my closest cousin, my, the, the one who was just there for me through thick and thin was strangled by her husband. So this, before oh, I even stepped man. foot, yeah, before I even stepped foot in the military, Against I, the odds, I had some, <laughs> I had some, con- there were some concerns, Yeah. but I was fully functional. I was, um, you know, uh, able to synthesize information. Well, right. I, you know, my dad, said you'll you'll never master a trade but you are certainly a jack of all trades i was able to do a lot of things well right just not to mastery you know and then um and so going out of the going out of the uh military into the job market and everything was just fine 
But yeah. when we started seeing those cracks for depression, uh-huh. um, man, it, it it almost seemed like it was like a, a crack in the dam, you know. And then slowly by sure, you know, but surely the the water started speeding up, yeah. creating making a bigger, bigger hole. And so the thing about 2020, the final straw, the last thing, and it's really no fault of theirs. You know, I I have I'm probably one of the few veterans that have nothing good things to say about the VA. But right. um, I had we had just moved back um, uh, from Belize. We had spent some time there and. Uh, you know, I'm also a certified um, scuba instructor, so mm-hmm. we did a little bit of moving, and and we get back, and we moved to the Atlanta area over in um, Carrollton, and uh, and I couldn't get into the Carrollton VA, which is like five blocks from where I live. Wow. You know? Yeah. So they sent me to a place over in Lawrenceville, mm. and now I I I'm human, I make a lot of mistakes, but one thing I don't mess around with is the dates yeah. for my VA appointments. And this kind of started the whole thing. I went all the way to Lawrenceville, where they're on time. I have all my record. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready. You yeah. Know, my yeah. first appointment. I know I can't. You know, I don't want to screw that up. You yep. know, I want to. I want to get him good with a doctor. I want to have a good conversation. And I get there, and I, I am also in a place where I know we came. We came back because I started showing more and more signs of depression. More and more signs. I'm not handling stress well. Right. And. Um, and I was already kind of, uh, best way to explain it, I was already kind of down, if you will, mm-hmm. when we went in there. So, so I go in, ready, and the lady looks at me right in the eye and said, you know, I said, I'm here for my appointment. And she said, uh, sir, your appointment was yesterday. Wow. And, you know, it it's such a small thing. Yeah, it, but. It, it's man. such a small <laughs> thing. Like, I could be like, cool, can I make another one? You yeah, know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be fine. Right. But, but it wasn't fine. You yeah. know, because I, I knew at that at that point, I knew I needed help right, and, and right. I had come to terms with it. And so when you as someone stubborn, full of pride, you know, yeah, is comes to terms with there's an issue. Right now, we ha- we ha- we're obligated to fix it. We yeah. need to get to this now. And so and that's cool that you identified that because, you know, you. Right. That's just something you would not. Well, the, in your normal state <laughs> yeah. would not do. No, it's a whole appointment. Yeah, but you know, by a day <laughs> when I, I have my you know, my now fourteen year old daughter, and I have um, you know I have my two littles who you know they, they yeah. may or may not notice, but then of course my wife, you know, they're the ones saying this is weird, this is mm. weird, this is weird. Right. Over time, right. I'm like, you know what? It's kind of weird. You know, this is not I'm not functioning the way I'm supposed to. Yeah, and um, which is weird because like <laughs> my work ethic is still there. I'm still performing. I'm still doing things. Yeah. I'm well. You know, I was in school at the time, and you know, still making A's, but so everything looks normal at surface level, but they know something's wrong. And so I know something's wrong. And, and that's not always the case for, you know, some people crash, they start crashing, 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 crashing. Big um, time. Can't, can't, you know, can't stay, they don't wake up even to go to work, you know, and then they lose their jobs and then, you know, or addiction or whatever. You know, these so. are, these are the signs <laughs> of the invisible wound that's without right. seeing it, which is, I know our audience is waiting to know about who's Izzy, yep. but this is this is like the perfect way to segue into who Izzy is and yeah. how Izzy came into your life. You're right. So, um, just kind of once that happened, the VA, um, mm-hmm. I it was the, the thing about this particular VA is right behind it is this drop off, and it, I don't remember if it was water. I don't remember if it's like a railroad track, but it's a pretty. It was the first time I just lo- looked over the edge. and I was like, I'm out of here. Right. Right. <laughs> and my, my wife says. 
I'll drive, you know, and she yeah. like kind of threw me in the car. And I just, I broke down as we're driving home. It's about an hour and a half drive, two hours of oh, traffic, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, so, I've been to Lawrenceville, I know, from <laughs> and here. So, and so the whole time, I'm just, like, sobbing, you know, just, yeah. just, just losing it. And um, and I just couldn't be controlled, you know. It's right. not, you know. And I come from, I come from, um, you know, the sexes or not, I come from a history of men's men. Yeah, you know? yeah, we you have, don't cry. You know, you don't. I wasn't raised by, you know, my, it was boys and men that raised right. me so you don't cry you know <laughs> suffer in silence right so right. you know the, it, for me to be that way was you know my wife was like she pulled into the Carrollton VA and said take him now and they were like sure <laughs> you know? wow. and, and it, so that day that changed wow so so we go undergo treatment we start undergoing care at the right. Carrollton VA and, and and they were amazing exceptional and but my wife is also a professor mm-hmm teaching at you know three four different universities at a time just wow. an adjunct so yeah, you know it's, yeah. there's a little bit of, you know you may not get a class next term right mm-hmm. and so she's also doing her own school and her own work and then my kids are you know involved in activities and i'm a coach in some of these activities and so she realizes she can't do it alone yeah and so then we start looking to get into the um caregiving support groups stuff like that right right and we don't qualify for some of their stuff mm. and so th- there's some limited qualifications and stuff but we don't qualify for for an extra set of hands right uh so she goes and, and tries to find all these different programs nothing works and then one day she comes in she goes what about a service dog <laughs> huh. and i said okay uh i'm listening and she goes, I'm gonna do some investigative work and uh and i'm like i i don't know what they do i you know I, I can see, you know, but she's like, don't be daft, you know, she's yeah, like, yeah. walk off. And, um, and then she came back, she goes, well, I have good news and bad news. Mm. We can get a service dog. Great. Good news. She goes, it'll cost around $30,000 mm. base. And right. I was like, Whoa. uh, <laughs> I, I mentioned that was a veteran. I don't, I don't <laughs> got it like that. <laughs> right. Right. Who does, you know, yeah, who, yeah. Does? who can just go in and say, Hey, I'll, I'll drop, you know, between 30, 60, a hundred thousand dollars on a dog. Right. Um, not many of us. And so, um, we love our fur babies, but so Izzy is a, an incredible story. She's through this through this uh, investigative work. Um, yeah. Naomi comes across this group in Facebook, and one of the ladies, their husband, went through Healing for Heroes, mm. who um, is out of Peachtree City, and she said, "You know, I'm, I'm going to call. I'm going to call on and apply uh, with this group." And first, they're life saving. Um, they. Uh, you know, you, you, you have um, the owner, Piper Hill, and then the director of operations, um, it, you know, Chris, who just was just uh, Chris Albright. And, and they took my application, and I was, I think I had just run over the, the class right ahead, but then I was in the, the following class. I, by crisis happened in January I was undergoing multiple forms of treatment right. um, by March. I was now in training with a service dog by June. Wow. So I show up to Healing for Heroes. That's healingforheroes.org. Healing nice. number four, heroes.org. Nice, See that plug. Plug. <laughs> nice, nice plug. Nice plug. Yep. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and so I show up. I get there, and... Um, and the first thing they're like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, I had to do some um, paperwork and right. talk about injuries and, and things like that. And then, but when I'm physically there, they're like, all right, we're going to do this puppy parade, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so in here, they just bring out all these different dogs and okay. they're all different levels of training, all, all mostly obedient, all the way up through obedience, but um, a couple with some advanced stuff right. um, because they believe in growing with your handler, which is a great 
I've learned is an amazing model. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this dog comes in. It's like a lab mix, lab golden mix, and right. just dirty and just head down and just really looked like he'd been gone through the ringer. And they tell you, write down the names of your three favorite dogs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they introduce Izzy to everyone. And nobody put her on the list. Wow. But I did. This is my first one. That's really? It. This is me. <laughs> yep. Wow. Um, because she stopped and she like kind of looked at me and, and, and it was, she's the only, I'm the only one she stopped at. And so, but huh. she didn't make a show of it. You know, right. She just stopped and looked. All right. And she kept going. Huh. And then, yeah. And then I listed the other two. And uh, now keep in mind, Naomi at this time is thinking I'm going to come back with this Mastiff or like a, <laughs> a really sleek looking German Shepherd or yeah. just something, you know, yeah. cool, like cool. You know? Right, right. And, and after the puppy parade, I go and I walk, you know, you're supposed to go walk all three of your dogs, mm-hmm. the ones that you're interested in. And, you know, I get, and I'm like, all right, this is Izzy. And I take her and immediately she locks to my side in a really tight heel. And she just the whole time is checking on me, checking on me, checking wow. on me. And, and it was just weird, like, yeah. like man, who, who trained you? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And then we hung out for a few minutes, and you know what? I never walked the other two. I walked to Chris, and I said, this one. Wow. And he said, I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, there was no question, there was no issue, there was nothing. It was, and then, so we go through this week of, of training. Mm-hmm. We go through, and we get um, our certifications. And uh, you basically, um, you're going through, uh, you know, a good citizen's test, public access type testing, where right. that allows your to prove that your service animal can enter, you know, a public space without being disruptive, that can perform certain tasks, yeah, that can yeah. handle moving with strangers or can handle, you know, they're not just going to leap and bound at whatever they see, chase, chase trucks, you know, right. yeah. um, and that sort of stuff. Um, because the thing is it can't be disruptive. And, uh, and so we went through the week and, you know, when I, now Naomi put me in a hotel this week. Okay. So I come back on, I think it was the Friday and she said immediately, she goes, Oh, you're different. Mm. And this is Izzy. And so Izzy immediately, um, integrated into the family. Right. She goes everywhere with me. Now there were some things we didn't know about her. Mm. Um, a couple nights before they came and did the puppy parade, a handful of dogs came in from the Angola state prison. Okay. Okay. And so the Angola state prison has a program called the pause program right. and they work with different groups and, these dogs are intensely, in, intensely trained over a course of a year. Wow. Um, or, or more. Who's training them? The inmates. Inmates. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, um, so for me, um, the, 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 from what I understand and, you know, uh, the warden's wife actually found, uh, Izzy's litter inside the road. The mom had been hit by a car. And so wow. they, they brought her and, and kind of raised her up temperament tester. Yeah. Um, you know, some rumor that she started as a narcotics dog. She knows all the, like she knows search and she knows, she knows some really cool huh. commands and cause they don't just train this. They, they, uh, for service dogs, but they train narcotics dogs, public service. Yeah. Dog, yeah. You know? Um, and so, but, uh, I do know that she spent a lot of time with, um, one of the inmates who was a case, uh, cancer patient. Yeah. And then, um, and then her trainer, uh, the inmate was Louis Preston who, this was his calling, you know, and, um, that's a whole other story, but I, I have such a deep, profound love and respect for this individual I never met. Wow. Um, because what he has trained and, and given me was, was a life. Wow. Izzy is, she can alert on low blood, 
um, sugar. She can alert on seizure. She can pick up um, if you drop a credit card on the floor, which mm-hmm. would be hard for you to pick up. Right. She can pick up a hand to you. She runs wow. heels. She does. She can search for things. Um, her capacity to learn is unlimited as far as I'm concerned. And for me, um, she specializes in like uh, deep pressure therapy. So if I am having a nightmare, she'll mm-hmm. jump up on me and lay on me. It'll wake me up. But unlike another human who tries to wake you up where you may attack them. Yeah. Um, for some reason, and, and uh, the Army has done some really interesting studies on this, we won't attack a dog. And mm-hmm. from a, from a nightmare state to sleep usually, so that's never happened. And I'm I'm not the type that that when I'm having a nightmare I don't I'm, it's um it's not explosive. It's I do a lot of thrashing and then I wake up, um and then fall back asleep usually. Wow. But, so now that's it. Wait, let's let's pause on that for mm-hmm. a second. So you're having a nightmare. Mm-hmm. She's obviously sleeping by yep. your bed, right? That's right. She senses this. Mm-hmm jumps on top of you mm-hmm. and is able to wake you up. Yep. Invisible wound. Yes. Yep. And she's able to sense this. That's now, right. can this happen uh, with anybody else? Like, is she trained to sense this in others as well, or is she more keen with you? Yeah, so she has skills that she's open trained with, right. with anyone, and right. then closed trained with. So she knows my quote unquote tells right. when I'm having nightmare or night terror. Um, they look very different. Uh, she, she knows when I'm just anxious, right? She knows when I'm having a panic attack cause my panic attacks aren't obvious. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she, she alerts on disassociative behavior. So when I disassociate, she'll come over and jump up on me and, and kind of give me headbutt. Ah. <laughs> um, but if we're in a store, and somebody is pre-seizure, mm-hmm. she'll alert on them. Oh, wow. you know, and we didn't know, and I didn't know that she was trained for low blood sugar because, because uh, she's not the type to just walk off and do her own thing. She's leashed. She's to me. Yeah. But um, we had an incident at one of the local grocery stores where a lady was walking by and she just wanted to go to her, mm. like, like, like as if maybe one day this was her dog. You know, right, like, like right. it was very. And I said, and she says, what? You know, she goes, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a you know, service dog. I said, yeah. I said, ma'am, are, are you, you don't have to answer, but epileptic or like low blood pressure. She goes, yeah, I'm diabetic. And I said, she really, really mm. wants to be close to you. So, and sure. So she said, all right, well, she goes in this big purse, you know, right. one of the hobo type bags and she's, yeah. she pulls out, you know, and she's like, well, I'll be, you know? Wow. And, and so it was a real like, oh, wow. I didn't know she had that skill, you know, I knew, I knew about the seizure alert and, and so, you know, now I am a trainer with H4H and so, see, we brought it back full circle. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and so. H4H? H4H or Healing for Heroes. Okay. Um, And so, you know, I go and um, I help veterans um, or their families or, you know, other um, people. Thank you for tuning in to part one. Part two will follow this episode. Thank you for tuning in to the James Paul Show. I am James Paul, the content creator. Please follow the James Paul Show on Facebook at the James Paul Show. And uh, we thank you all for coming in and checking out our show. You guys have a good time. And remember, create always. Always.